I want to give you something from my heart to your heart this morning. It's been on my mind, and I'm just going to let it go and just throw it out there. And if 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 it bothers you, good. If it don't bother you, I'm sorry. (laughs) But it's it's something that we need to hear about, and not only here, but everywhere around in the country today, because I feel this is where we're going. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 12 this morning. 1 Kings chapter 12. I've got so much on my mind to say and so little time to say it. And, uh, and I have to admit, I'm ashamed. Start having casual church, a casual Christian. This is laid in my heart, and I said, Lord, you've got to forgive me. Because I fell in the trap of just being casual, not feeling the spirit no more, just going through the motions. And we need to be taught about it. 1 Kings chapter 12 this morning. Let us stand. We'll begin in verse number 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the hearts of this people turn again to their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill him and go again to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee upon out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel and the other in Dan. And he said this thing because a sin for people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made an house of the high places and made priests of the lowest of the people which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered up altar so so he in Bethel sacrificing unto the calves that he had made and the place in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even to the month which he had devised in his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered up the altar and a burnt incense. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for each one that's here, Lord. I pray for the hearts and minds, Lord, that we get the message that you want to penetrate our hearts this morning, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me say the words that I need to say, Lord. Empty me of self and fill me of thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Here, here we find in this chapter there's two new kings. Uh, there's a new king in, over Israel, and his name is Rehoboam. He is the grandson of David and the son of Absalom, sitting on the throne. We find that people come to him saying, this thing that your father uh, imposed on us, uh, the taxes, the levy, the, is too much for us. Those things that uh, you want to build a temple and everything, says, it's just, just too heavy on us. It's weighing us down. So why, why don't you just ease the burden down a little bit? The Bible said Rehoboam uh, took counsel of the old man. 
And there he should have listened to the old men. It's nothing like having somebody that's been down the road for an awful long time. It's been through some things that you can go back and let's say, hey, you've been through that, what it is. But he, he took counsel. And he, many counsels of multitude, there's a safety, but counsel in old men and women that have done that, been there, some good counsel you ought to put in your heart this morning. But instead, he, he went to those, uh, uh, talked to all those young men the same age as he was. Uh, uh, there was just as dumb as he was, can I say that? Uh, and he said that, uh, what do you guys think? And, and these guys are looking around and said, well, let me tell you this. Uh, let me give you all the vast knowledge that I have in this 21 years that I've been living here. I'll give you all the vast knowledge. And, and he, they told him what they said. He said, uh, just hanging around, don't, haven't learned anything yet. But uh, So he asked the young man, what is your advice? What, what do you say? And said, go back and tell them your father chastised them with whips. And you're going to chastise them with scorpions. You go tell them that he does it. He doesn't do it too well. He goes back and tells these people that. Everything's split right down the middle. Here we find the tribes to stay together, Benjamin and Judah, and the other ten tribes, the northern tribes, tribes, you'll find that throughout 1 Kings and 2 Kings, they're always fighting against each other. There's a constant war going on between the kings of Israel and the king of Judah. Because of this, and the man that takes over the ten northern tribes, and name is Jeroboam, and if you study the Bible, you'll find out he's the most wicked king that ever lived there. And we find that he said in himself, and gets counsel from his men, he says this, I don't want the southern tribes to be influencing the tribes that I have. He said, I don't want them people down here influencing my people. If our tribes keep going down there to worship in Jerusalem, I'm, I'm going to lose the whole kingdom. What should I do to keep these people under my rule? And what comes up with is brilliant. What he gives them to keep them, he gives them something that is convenient. If you ever want people to get on board with what you've got and what you're thinking about it, just make it convenient. Watch what it does to the make it something convenient to this worship. Verse 28. Thereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go down to Jerusalem. He said, It's just ridiculous for you to travel all the way down there to worship. All that narrow-minded people down there. You don't have to go all the way down there to get worship in Jerusalem. He said, that's old-fashioned, that's old, that's old school, that's old things. Surely you can just worship in another place. Fine, we can find another God to worship. We're smarter now. We're not that old school mentality. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll make each worship convenient. We'll make worship convenient for that. We'll put one temple in Dan and we'll put the other temple down in Bethel. 
And, and you can just worship wherever you want to worship at. Whatever is convenient for you to worship at, uh, you just go there. Making things convenient in their lives. We're, we're going to make worshiping and serving God not something because you want to, but because something you do because it's convenient to worship God. Can I say that we live in an age that's high on convenience? Something that is easy for them. We live in an age that's absolutely gone on seed of convenience of life. You don't believe this? Every one of you got one of these things. Kids got these things. If you try to get away from this for an hour, try to take and set it down for a day, and you, until a week, you'll be sitting around. You, you'll go into DTs. Uh, you can't, you got to have it. We, do, we shop with this. Uh, we order things with it. You ain't even got to leave your house for worship. It's on the phone. We're making it convenient for everybody to do everything right in your pocket. It's convenient. We're making life convenient. Most people know nothing about, about Rand McNally. Hey, Amen. They said, what is that? Back in my day, you didn't pull out a phone and say, hey, drive to this thing, drive there. No, uh-uh. My day, you had to pull out a map and read that thing, and, and you had to flip, you had to go through all those things. You had to learn what you said. And my wife, Lord, I love her, but she's both so dumb when it comes to reading maps. We was heading to Fort Hood, Texas, and I asked the dumb question, how far it is the next town? Her answer was, this far. Oh, this far, it gives you a scale on the bottom, how, how inches, how many miles, as you know, it's this far, you know. But most people don't know nothing about how to read a map. We're so convenient in our life today that we're just making it easy to do everything. My day, you had to sweep the floor with a broom. Then we got vacuum cleaners, that long silver bullet you hauled around in the house and everything, try to get everything. Now you got a robot that vacuum your floor for you. You sit and don't do it. We're making everything so convenient in life now. And the sad thing about it, the sad thing about it, it's starting to slip into churches. It's starting to slip into churches. You know how far we have come in the last 100 years in convenience? You used to have to light the fire with a fire. Now you just flip a switch. Used to be you go to town on horseback or buggy. Now you get in your car and drive everywhere. In fact, now you can get in the car and just say, I want to go there, and you ain't even got to drive it. Cars that drive themselves nowadays. We don't want people to get up. We don't want people to exert themselves. We want people to feel like they just sit where they're at and make life convenient for them. Like I said, the problem is it's starting to filter down in churches today. We've gotten so used to everything being convenient in every area of the life 
whether it be in our homes, whether it be in our jobs or recreation. Now we put in that mindset in our churches. And we feel like we want God to give us a convenient form of Christianity. That doesn't cost me nothing. Doesn't require anything of me. They don't push me. They don't do, do, do anything for me. I, I, they don't take me out of my comfort zone. They don't try to put something on me to want me to change and make my life different. This is the world we live in today. I, I want to talk like them. I want to act like them. I want to be like them. I want to watch what they watch. I want to listen to what they listen to. I want to dress the way they do. I want a cross that is convenient. Can I tell you something? There's no such thing as convenient cross. We all are called to carry a cross. Jesus said, if any man come out to me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There's no such thing as convenient cross bearers. The Savior cross was not a convenient. To, uh, he, he, he was beaten, he was scourged, he was beaten, and he had to carry that. That was not convenient. He laid on the cross and he nailed him to it, and nailed his hands and nailed his feet. That was not convenient. But amazing me, we take the symbol of the cross, what we believe Jesus Christ did for us, our Christian life, the symbol of death, the symbol of suffering and pain, that we don't want to require anything of us. We don't want to give nothing back in return for what God has done for us. Can I say I'm not interested in what, what convenient Christianity is. Here we find this man said, I just, too much for you to serve God the way God expects you to serve God. The way all those old timers, that, that song, the old time religion, I love that. All those leather lung preachers shouting and spitting and everything else. It, that's just too much. Telling you what you need to do, what God said. All that is unnecessary. We don't need that today. We advance farther than that. Convenient Christianity has never been godly. And godly Christianity has never been convenient. I, I, I went online, I was going to bring it with this morning. I was online, I was looking at some stuff. And I, I'm trying to find churches that. Uh, really have gone to the extreme. And I found one that says, uh, submit an application to join. And I printed it out. It's five pages. They want to know everything about you. Everything about you. They, they did, not one time did they ask you, do you believe and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? No. They know I want where you live at, where you work at, how much money you make. Uh, all of that. Not one time did they ask, do you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for you and rose again, and he suffered for you, do you believe it? Not one time did they ask that. It, it, it's not convenient today. It wasn't convenient for Peter, James, and John when they were fishing on a boat to, and Jesus said, come with me, follow me, and they laid everything down. It was not convenient. Matthew was a big wig with taxes. Jesus walked by and said, follow me. 
he arose and followed Jesus. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't convenient for Paul on his way to Damascus to kill the Christians. Jesus shows up and he gets right with God. I find that convenient for some. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Good master, what shall I do? To, may I inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him what he needed to do. Go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up thy cross and follow me. Bible said he was sad and went away and grieved for he had great possessions. It, 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 it was, wasn't convenient for him. It was an inconvenience. He's just saying it's not convenient for me to follow you right now. Not convenient for me to do the things right now. We have let this slip into our churches and gotten so far in our churches that we're making everything convenient now. I read in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Jesus tells him about the great message that you must be born again. He preaches John 3, 16 to him. You never find Nicodemus following Jesus after that until he was buried. It wasn't just that he said, I just, I have the status and I don't want to lose my status. It wasn't convenient. It's not convenient right now. I wonder what kind of Christian you are this morning. Have you got one of, that is convenient for you? I, I read about Felix when Paul was uh, uh, preaching to him and he said uh, a reason, a reason of uh, righteousness and temperance and, and judgment came to come. Felix uh, trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, for when I have a convenient time or season, I will call for you. You'll never read where a convenient time ever come as far as we know. He never got right with God. He died and went to hell as far as we know. Never got. It was not convenient for him at that time. Listen, there will never be a convenient time to get saved. There will never be a convenient time to serve God. If you're wanting to, waiting for a convenient time to get saved, there will never be a convenient time. Just too much for you to go down there and worship. Let's just make it convenient for you. That's not Bible Christianity, can I say that? We are trying to make everything convenient for people when it comes to worship service. Here, here we try to make everything look good. Uh, we don't have a great big fancy building, but uh, we, we sing and uh, we got the Word of God. We got the King James Bible. We're trying to make everything good. But you know what? When you come here, the most thing you ought to get is the preaching of the Word of God. When I read about missionaries and read about the old time Christians and what they suffered and what they went through and how they ordeal the things that God they went through because they loved and served God and I sit here in a cushioned seat I've got air and I, got, I don't have nothing pushing against me I say Lord you've got to forgive me because it's gotten too convenient in my life we've gotten convenient I found this song. I love this song. I found it and I just want to read some of the verses. I'm not going to sing it. It says, I'm a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb. 
and shall I fear no own his gods or the blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery seed beds of great ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Were a crown. Are you that easy? Are you that so convenient with Christianity that it has to be this way. It has to be convenient for you. I've got to have a padded seat. I can't have anybody yelling at me. I don't want that leather nut or a preacher up there spitting, yelling at me, telling me, thus said the word of God. I just want things convenient for me. Let us in our heart this morning be done with Christianity that is all about me all about you it's all about him he suffered he bled he died upon the cross he did it all for you and i it's not convenient that cross was not a convenient for him it's not what christ can do for me but what i can do for christ how i can serve him how i can give him the glory Let me give you three things about this convenient Christianity. There was a call for a convenient Christianity. There, there was a demand for it. There will always be a demand for conveniency. Why? Because our flesh desires it. Our flesh wants it. We don't like to be inconvenient about anything. We want to be pampered. We want to be petted. No inconvenience on my part. There was a demand for it, and people grabbed a hold of it. It was called, and it was appealing to the people this morning. Why? It was, called, it was all centered around a couple of things. First thing, it was centered around, if you read back to the first part of the chapter, it was centered around money. The whole reason why this came apart was because they said uh, that was too heavy on us. There was too much burdens on us. We got too much taxes on us. It was all centered around money. They wanted something more and more. I believe we can save more and make more money if we just go down with Jeroboam. Can I say this? You might have been saved, made money, and that's all you want to do is make money. Then you lost more things than you ever need. The more money you get, the more money you want, but you lost the prize that you need, and that's Jesus. The people have the mindset of, I, I could have more money if I have less of an inconvenience in Christianity. I, I have been faithful People that on their, I, I've seen them, they, they were 
in church all the time. Every time the doors are, I've seen them and be faithful to the house of God and the things of God. And God start blessing them and they start receiving. They start getting more and more. And it seems like every time they got more, they wanted more. They wanted more. They start buying the toys. They start buying the boats. They start taking the fancy holidays, going trip here out the trip there. Next thing you know, you don't see them in church no more because church has came an inconvenient to them. I've seen that happen. That dollar bill will get you every time. There's nothing wrong with money. Don't let money become your God. You ought to thank God for it, and we do thank God for the. As long as I got a job and make money, thank God for it. I believe why God keeps some people broke because they're better off. I've heard people pray for all kinds of money. I said, you know, you're not going to get it because God knows your heart. You get it, you ain't going to be in church no more. Since I've been here, we've gone through many changes. And I do believe we've gone through some changes. We made some upgrades around here. We've had the money to do it. The money has come in. We've, the fellowship hall, we upgraded the fellowship hall. We've done the building. We upgraded the building. We've, we've had all this come in and it's money. But let me just say, if everything we do is all about money, I'll tell God, take every bit of it right now so we put us all back on our knees and start looking at Him because it's become an inconvenient to serve God. Take everything. Put me back on my knees where I need to be. Don't let me become so inconvenient by church and serving God that I just can't do it anymore. Talking about convenient Christianity. These people right here are like the Laodicea in church. We are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Not even God. There's some churches like that today. The only thing you need in this church is God is God. You need Him. We don't need personalities. We don't need popularity. We need God. We see the call for it because it was centered around money. Then it was centered around mandates. Watch what Jeroboam does in verse 32. And Jeroboam ordained. That word ordained means to make royal decree. He ordains a feast, makes it a law. He makes it a law that if you're going to worship anywhere, you got to worship down here. You got to worship down here. You know why some people just kind of slide into convenient Christianity? Because they were scared of what the government might say. What the government might do. I remember two years ago when we had an incident here in our country. You can't go to church. It's an inconvenience for you to go to church. Stay home. And I've talked to pastors over and over and over. And I, in fact, I talked to one just the other day, and he said, Our church has started having services again, but half the people will not come. They're afraid. So, we, so what we did, we, we put it online. 
Now they're home watching service online. Now they can stay at home and drink a coffee and be in their pajamas and don't have to come to church. You know why people like the, uh, the, the, the online thing, the streaming thing? It's because you're not inconvenient them. They're at their house doing what they want to do. Uh, they, they happen to, let me just say that it isn't good in some of these streaming things. They do do some good things. But if that's what it causes people to stay home, I say just get rid of it. Get them back in the house of God. There's nothing like the fellowship with God's people around God's people. But we make it so convenient that you can just stay home and watch services on screen. It's mandate. Government said, hey, you can't do that. You can't go there. You can't worship. You've got to stay home. And people said, well, I ain't going there because I don't know what the government might say about me or what they might do to me. God said, go, assemble ourselves together. And when God called into worship, it was in Jerusalem. But they were scared to go to Jerusalem because it might cost them their life. If they keep on dealing with an inconvenient Christianity, instead of they got them a convenient one, does Sound like uh, what's happening today, don't it? Just convenient. Just a smoke screen thrown up. Can I say there's the call for it? There's confusion. The confusion of convenient Christianity. The confusion is this. Where do I worship? Or who do I worship? And it goes through all through 1 Kings and 2 Kings. They are constantly fighting and fussing. This is what Elijah said. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. How long are you going to keep fighting? In other words, they were so confused on who they're supposed to worship and serve. They've got so many different standards. And they don't believe God anymore. I see that today. We got so many different standards today. I was watching a church service yesterday. And the church names sound good. And I'm not big on praise and worship teams. And I understand that's not wrong with they sing gospel music. It was gospel music. But when the preacher gets up there with blue jeans on and a cutoff t-shirt, I've got a problem. It's becoming convenient. Dress as you want to dress. Come as you come and come as you are and leave the same way you came. It's becoming convenient. God said, bring forth your best. No, God, I can't do that. I'm more comfortable in my blue jeans. I, I'm, I, I, I preached in a church down in Florida down there and the guy had a race car on the platform and he preached for a week in a race car outfit what are you trying to tell people what are you trying to tell people see we've gotten it so convenient in our churches now that we really don't know who we should be serving or what we should be serving because we make it convenient but let me say if you come to church because of the building because of singing and that's it you're wrong 
I'm telling you right now, what stands behind the pulpit, you better have the character and the meaning, and it better be the King James Bible, and he's preaching from the Bible. That's what you come to church for. You don't come to hear anybody say anything. You're coming for what God said. You're coming to worship God, nobody else. I think we've gotten so close to worshiping people now that we don't want to hear what God's got to say. It's convenient. So convenient. You ain't got to go all the way to Jerusalem to worship. You can stop over here at this church over here. They, they, don't, they don't act the same. You, they don't praise the same way you do. But you know what? It's convenient for you. I love hearing shouting in churches. I love hearing, Amen. I know some churches you're not allowed to say that. You can't do that. Convenient. It's inconvenient. We find them that way. Becomes an inconvenient church. There's, there's a confusion about it. It's confusion. Now, nowadays it's whatever floats your boat. Whatever makes you feel good. There are churches out there for everything. I think I'll just stay down here for a while. There are churches nearby that no matter what you want, they'll cater to it. No matter how you are, they'll cater to it. No matter what your lifestyle is, they'll cater it to it. In fact, they got a service for immorality. They got a service for uh, alternate lifestyles. They got a service for those who really don't want God involved in their services. They got all of it you want right here. Just come. That's not God. We're serving God. The one who created everything. And now we're changing it to make it convenient for everybody to just come. Let me tell you what. You come to the altar. You get right with God. You'll see I don't need nothing but God. It becomes. I don't want convenient Christianity. I want an inconvenient Christianity. I, I want to go what Jesus went through. I want to suffer what Jesus. Like I said, I read about the old time missionaries, and I love them guys. How they put up with things, and how they went and struggled through things. How they died for what the Word of God is, and how we sit around here and grumble and blight and complain because too hot, too cold. Ain't nobody standing outside waiting for you to walk out the door and shoot you. Inconvenient. We've gotten convenient so much. It's confusing. I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know who to believe anymore. We're just going to make it convenient for everybody. Whatever you want to do in worship, it's all about you. Problem is, the worship ain't about you. If you leave out and said, I didn't enjoy the service this morning, Sorry, it wasn't about you to begin with. We shout and praise the Lord. Not me, nor you. We praise the Lord. Can I say it's a dangerous just to pick a church of your choice? You better get to the place and say, Lord, what will thou have me to do? 
If it's preaching the Bible, then I need to be there. If you're not getting fed, you better get somewhere else. Well, Papa was buried out by dig him up too and take him with you. <laughs> you know, if he was alive, he'd have a voice in it too, he'd throw it out too. It was confusing because it mirrored the real thing. It mirrored and mocked what was real. Look at verse number 32. <laughs> I, I, I like this. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month. Listen, liken unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered up the altar. He said, we're just like y'all. We got an altar. We've got a priest. Did you notice that he said he picked the lowest of the lowest to make him the priest of the highest? <laughs> I'm telling you what, we got some low people in the high places today. I'm not just up in the government, but we got some lowest some people in a, in a high place in the church that should not be there, ain't been called by God, ain't been blessed by God, but they're in the pulpit preaching and should not be preaching. We, we got an altar. We got sacrifices just like yours. Except it ain't. Christianity is doing what God told them to do and the other is just doing, trying to live something out of yourself that makes you feel good about themselves and convenient in their lives. Convenient Christianity is so close to the real thing without God and the King James Bible, you'll never be able to tell them the difference in it. Get that. Convenient Christianity is so close to the real thing, which it ain't the real thing, Without God or the King James Bible, you'll never be able to tell them apart. We're, we're living in a day where people are living a convenient Christian life. Just as happy about it, doing more than as just a cheap knockoff of the real thing. It stands the test of time. It is amazing when finally they needed the word from God. When they needed something from God, the fellow had to come from Judah to give him the word of God, to give it to him. Satan is the greatest counterfeiter there is. He has a counterfeit for everything that God's got. He's got a counterfeit spirit. He's got a counterfeit priest. He's got a counterfeit church. Everything that God's got, the devil's got one of them too. You better make sure what you got is real. Not some knockoff of some real thing. The devil will keep people in confusion just as long enough to keep them from conveniently losing their life and going to hell. Because I'm confused. I'm confused. The devil has people confused today. Look at chapter number 13. Chapter 13. Verse 1, And behold, there came a man out of God of Judah by the word of the Lord unto the Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the Lord, word of the Lord and the, said, O altar, altar, thus said the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David. And Joshua, 
by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest up the high places that burnt incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold of him, and his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he would not pour into him again. Can I say it is dangerous? There is a cry against inconvenient Christianity. Do you know what the cry sounds like? The cry sounds real mean. That is what Jeroboam thought. Here, this is a southern preacher. He came from Judah, the southern tribe, to the north. He laid on him and said, he put it out to him. He, he got to one of them old southern type preachers. Uh, you've seen them guys. Uh, they get up in the pulpit. Ha, I got down. He, he laid it to him. He got it on him. He said, oh, no, we don't want that kind of preaching here. We don't need that kind of preaching. I ain't having that. We don't put up with that kind of preaching down here. It's just too mean. It's just too mean to preach like that. It's not enough hope and coping and sharing. That's what we need today. Can I say this and don't misunderstand me? Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Let me say that again. Truth sounds like hate when those that hate the truth. The altar was rent and the ashes poured out from the altar and according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of thy Lord my God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me again. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored him again and became as it was before. cry against came from a man mm -mm. some people like that they just like let God deal with them you, you don't preach to me you just let God deal with me you know sometimes God sends a man Amen. to deal with you and your sins he wants to get a hold of you if you read the Bible throughout the entire Bible, 99% of the time when God needed to deal with someone, He sent a man to preach them. Thank God for some men, but I'm telling you, you've got a convenient in this. There are some areas of my life that I've gotten convenient in, and I've had to ask God, you've got to forgive me. I've gotten lackadaisical. I've just gotten casual about my service. I've gotten casual about my purpose. What our homes need is our wives deserve. What our children deserve and our grandchildren deserve is what our church deserves. Is a, men, a church full of men that are tired of convenience, casual, calm about Christianity. We want to live a Christian life even if it's going to cost us something. It may cost you friends. It may cost you family. It may cost you money. But it, the cost is worth it. The cost is worth it. I found this. Dr. Robert Moorhead tells the story of a young man from Rwanda that was forced by the tribe 
1980, 1980, not 1800, 1980, to renounce Christ or face death. He refused to renounce Christ, and he was murdered on the spot. The night before, he had written the following comment, which was found in his room. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. Let up. Show down. Back away. Or be still. My past is redeemed. My present is awake since. And my future is secured. I am finished and done with this low living, slight walking, small planning, small, smooth knees, careless dreams. I am no longer in need of premises, prosperity, position, promotion, applause, or popularity. I don't have to fight, be right, just stop and recognize, praise, God, record, regard, or renewed. I now live my present, learn by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by love. My past is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few. My God is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pound of the pawn of popularity or meaner in the ways of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, shut up until I'm reached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until he returns and gives me, until I drop, preach, until I all I know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get me on his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. I am not ashamed. The gospel. We've gotten too convenient. Too convenient. And I think about what Christ done at the cross for you and I. And we can't praise Him. We can't shout the glory for Him. We just sit around and say, Lord, I, I just want to come to church and feel good about myself. I, I, I've done bad all week long, but I, Lord, if I know if I go to church, uh, everything will be all right. You know what? It ain't going to be all right. It's never going to be all right because it's conveniently to you. You've got to come and make it inconvenient. I'm going to serve God no matter what's going to cost. I'm going to serve God with every ounce of blood I've got. I'm going to serve God until I go home. And it's going to cost you something. I got to be in church. You better believe it's going to cost you. You got to come to church. Well, I live way down in the hollow. I don't care. Find you a church that preaches the King James Bible that stands on the truth. Get into it. Say, Lord, forgive me. I haven't been what I should have been. I ain't what I want to be. Thank God someday I'm going to be what I need to be. Don't get lackadaisical in your serving God. 
because he's done so much for you.